0: Good evening my friends, it's good to see you again, or hear from you rather. I have to apologize for the past few broadcasts being somewhat brief. I've fell on hard times. Some days I don't even know if I'm going to be able to scrape together enough credits to be able to get something to eat. Plus I find myself in an interesting predicament. As far as details go I can't really disclose any information. I'm happy I'm able to sit down for a few moments and share these decryptions with you as well as the interesting accounts that our friend the Traveler has left for us to find. Each time I sit down to decrypt these messages, I feel like they were left just for me. It's funny how things like that can make us feel. The last time we saw the Traveler, he found himself on Tatooine, my home planet. But now as he was making his way off the planet, he noticed some rather peculiar beasts. And as I began to dig into this particular archive, I noticed that he stumbled upon other beasts as well starting with the Womp Rat.
1: A popular pastime among the youths of Tatooine is to see how many Womp Rats one can hit while flying through dangerous ravines.
0: These hideous rats are a common pest on Tatooine where they have evolved to withstand the harsh desert climate. A breed of sharp fanged rodent that can grow to just over 2 meters in length, they nest in the desert. They are not timid creatures, and have been known to gather in swarms to attack luckless Tatooine inhabitants. Tusken raiders use womp rat tusks to decorate their traditional clothing and accessories, while dewbacks enjoy them as a tasty treat. They can often be found in narrow ravines, like Beggar's Canyon, where young skyhopper pilots use them for target practice. I wouldn't have put it past our friend the Traveler to take a moment to indulge into some childish games and activities. The arid badlands of Tatooine not only offer Womp Rats, but a wide variety of creatures. At one point in time, it seems that our friend the Traveler had a brush with sand people, which inherently means that he had some sort of experience with a bantha.
1: An unpleasant smell floated to my nostrils as a herd of hairy, horned beasts shuffled past me.
0: Banthas are large, hairy mammals native to the desert of Tatooine. They are bred all across the galaxy to be used as mounts for their famous blue milk which is used in butter, ice cream, and cheese, and for their meat. Their hides are often used in clothes and furniture. Sand people tame Banthas, and each member has a special bond with their own mount. It is true the odor of a Bantha is so distinct that if you caught even just a little whiff of the foul smell that comes off of them, because sand people probably weren't far from you. As much as I'm sure the Traveler wanted to stay on Tatooine because it's just such a pleasant planet, It was eventually time for him to go. It was time for him to leave the Outer Rim, in fact. But he found himself in a situation where his ship needed some repairs, and if he wanted to go into uncharted waters, he would need to take care of them immediately. He mentions that he met a Celestin that ended up helping him with his ship. They are renowned for their mechanical and engineering skills, after all.
1: A curious-looking smuggler helped me fix my ship at a spaceport in the Outer Rim. This friendly Celestin was a skilled pilot himself, and gave me some tips for my onward journey."
0: Celestins are a species of short humanoids, recognizable by the jowls around their cheeks. As a species, they have a natural talent for mechanical and technological tasks, friendly and pragmatic. They are well known throughout the galaxy and have contributed to many galactic events with their inventions and advancements in engineering. The Traveler also details a landspeeder that he used, probably in conjunction with the Celestin. Maybe to ferry parts back and forth to his ship?
1: V-35 Courier Landspeeder. Another source of creation. A bit outdated, but useful for zipping around
0: Lothal. In any case, I'm glad the Celestin was able to help him. We might not have had as many data entries had the Celestin not helped. As I scrounged the data archive, I noticed that only a few entries from the Traveler were left that were still able to be decrypted. The rest had either been corrupted or erased. The Traveler happened upon many different creatures in his travels. So as I went through the archive, I tried to keep all of them together. That way I could share each experience with you at once and match the data that I have on hand. This is to tell you a proper story, after all. So as we look at the final things that the Traveler has left for us, it's interesting to think about the creatures that he came across. Some legendary, some unimpressive. But just so the Traveler's final words go down in infamy, why don't we begin with the latter?
1: Blurgs are very useful. I think they can carry almost anything.
0: Ah yes. From the home worlds of Ryloth and Endor, the mighty Blurg is extremely versatile. And although not intelligent, this two-legged reptilian species is highly prized for its strength, speed and determination. These fascinating creatures walk on their two hind legs and possess a huge mouth which is capable of chewing through almost anything. This led to them being used to great effect in agriculture, where farmers employ blurgs to clear grass and weeds and haul equipment. However, when provoked, they can become vicious and were even employed as mounts to fight against separatist troops during the Clone Wars. Clone troopers and Twi'lek gorillas rode the speedy creatures into battle as they could reportedly match the velocity of imperial speeder bikes. It just goes to show you should never judge a book by its cover. The Traveler counts a more docile species as his next entry.
1: I've heard tales of the dramatic clifftops of Acto, covered in the most curious small birds.
0: The Traveler can only be referring to the species known as the Porg, from the homeworld of Octo. The little Porgs are evolved from the same stock as Linnaeus, but without the intelligence of their sentient neighbors. However, they are entertaining creatures that dive into the sea to catch fish for their young known as porglets. They have a flat nose, forward-facing eyes, which make it easier to spot fish, webbed feet for swimming, and dense feathers for insulation, and are also known to be talented mimics. They're very curious about any new arrivals on their home planet. When Chewbacca landed on Octo, he considered porgs a tasty treat, but found it hard to kill the winged creatures when the pack turned their sad eyes on him. I've never met a Wookiee in person, but how I would love to meet the legendary warrior known as Chewbacca. I can only imagine the situation that he would find himself in when trying to consume an adorable creature such as the Borg. But that's neither here nor there. I mentioned that there was many different species found on Tatooine. I couldn't help but find this account from the Traveler to be a little amusing.
1: Hiking further across the rough terrain, I stubbed my toe on what I thought was a rock until I heard a grunt. Looking down, I found a very angry creature embedded in the sand sand.
0: Yes, the Traveler happened upon quite a vile creature known as the Wart. The homeworld, of course, being from Tatooine. Warts are non-sentient creatures that live in the desert and feed on rodents and insects. These squat creatures can bury themselves in the sand, becoming indistinguishable from the rocks around them, and there they will await their prey. Their oversized tongues are perfect for capturing food on the run. I never had an encounter with a Wart that wasn't unpleasant. These next entries from the Traveler, gave me chills initially whenever I first came across them. All sorts of questions started to pop up in my mind, but we'll discuss those after we go through his accounts. The next one being a beast only thought to be a legend.
1: Having heard of this mysterious creature, I must confess that I believed it to be a terrifying myth.
0: Although the traveler doesn't recite specifics as to what happened, the data I have connected with this account is that of the Sando aqua monster, found on the homeworld of Naboo. Although the Sando aqua monster is rarely seen in the wild, the large carcasses of these creatures have occasionally washed up on the beaches of Naboo, proving this mysterious creature is undeniably real. The biggest of the predators on Naboo, the Sando needs to feed constantly. It has webbed claws and a long, powerful tail that propels it through the water. It has razor-sharp teeth and a mouth so wide it can consume most other creatures in just one bite. Sando aqua monsters are thought to be extremely protective of their young. This account makes me nervous. I have a trip planned to Naboo sometime in the near future. I hope I don't run into one of these monsters at any point in time during my stay there. And now we come to the final entry that the Traveler has left for us. It's bittersweet, but legendary nonetheless. He recounts his experience with that of the crate Dragon.
1: A giant skeleton appeared as I climbed over the dunes. While extremely curious about this great dragon, I wouldn't have wanted to meet it when it roamed freely across the sand.
0: This is of particular significance to me, because the crate Dragon is also found on my homeworld of Tatooine. Known for their ferocity, and with an average length of five meters, crate Dragons are the apex predators of the desert. However, despite their frightening size, crate Dragons are hunted ruthlessly for the highly valuable pearls they produce. Sand people and Jawas who conquer such beasts are held in high regard by their people. Even finding the skeleton of a crate Dragon could make you rich. They've been hunted to death at this point, almost. You rarely find one in the wild, let alone a skeleton of one. It's little details like this that make me admire the traveler. Whenever he found a detail to be significant, he documented it, explained his surroundings. He thought it was important enough to make a note of it, maybe not even realizing that someone might find it at some point in time. I feel lucky to have been able to connect with him in such a way that he will never even understand. All of these experiences leave me with so many questions. Why was he traveling all over the galaxy? Was he in a similar situation that I'm in? What profession allowed him to stay gone for so long? How much time had passed for him to be able to collect all of these different experiences? How was all of this information archived in the moon on Orcus 2? And why? So many questions that I probably won't ever have the answers to, but I feel like I will always find myself admiring him for all the things that he's done. He certainly brought joy to my life. Almost as much as you all have. I hope you've enjoyed this time that we've spent together. Knowing myself, I know it would be easy to say, I'll talk to you soon. But we both know that's not a realistic thing for me to say. I don't know when the next time I will speak to you is. I hope it's soon. But just in case it's not, I hope this message finds you in good health. I hope you've enjoyed the time we've spent together. And I hope to talk to you again soon. So with that, I leave you. And may the Force be with you. Always.